0: We're in Ephesians and chapter 4, uh, the second half of the chapter. Um, I have the disadvantage of not really knowing what's been said in the last four weeks. Uh, that's not true, I was here the last week. Um, but prior to that, the, um, I think the four Lord's Days prior to that. Um, so I have to kind of make some assumptions, maybe I should listen to the can See Ray laughing. I should listen to the recordings and then I would catch up. I should do that, but I, I'll be making some assumptions as to what has been said. Um, I'd just like to refresh us a little bit with the program. So, we're um, coming to the end of February, so pretty much all of January um, all of February and January are done. Um, so, why write the letter? Uh, a statement on on redemption seeing and believing God's power no longer dead, call to unity the mystery of Christ uh, be filled, the unity of the faith and now put on the new is where we're up to we had um, a kind of multi-dimension to the whole thing so there's um, the book of Ephesians we were celebrating how packed it is with, with doctrine and we can look at it in three dimensions, the um, the practice and the doctrine, the personal and the collective and then there's a time dimension too which is from eternity to eternity with time in the middle and, and all of these things are drawn together through what is very profound um, teaching. Um, I wanted also to, before we get into Um, putting on the new to just remind us of the background to it a little bit only for a couple of minutes Um, because I think it's really helpful to be looking at (coughs) Paul's teaching with a continual view of where he was and the context of who he was writing to because that helps us put the thing into perspective so we have Paul under house arrest in Rome Um, He's writing the letter in the same, in a similar context to when he wrote Philippians and it's around the same time, so AD 64. <coughs> Although the church in Jerusalem was sta- established some like something like 30 years prior to this, probably the church in Ephesus was about 10 years old. Um, in writing to the saints in Ephesus, and Paul had spent three years there himself, but my contention is it was established not by him, but a year prior to him going, and uh, Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos were key people in the establishment of the church in Ephesus. And Paul is very focused on delivering doctrinal teaching, and it's very high-density teaching in, in the epistle. And it covers very profound topics, things like God's sovereign choice and predestination, uh, redemption, salvation by grace through faith, the presence and work of the Holy Spirit in the believer, the concept of churches of God together forming the house of God on earth today, uh, the doctrine of the church, the body of Christ, and the unity of all believers, spiritual gifts, it goes on, Marriage, its sacredness as a human parable of the holy relationship between Christ and his church, relationships in family, work and the church, spiritual battles, and we're going to be uh, in that area today, and the armour of God. And all of these things are brought together in these six chapters, and they're addressed to people that Paul was acquainted with in the um, church of God in Ephesus so try and have in our minds the the context of it recognising that it was a broad blend of um, Greeks, uh, Jews, Gentiles um, of course now brought together under the common uh, appreciation of salvation by grace through faith And now, these uh, wide variety of people of varying classes, of varying cultural backgrounds, now being drawn together and worshipping in the Church of God in Ephesus. Um, And we're now up to chapter four, the second half of chapter four, and it's Put on the New. Um, And I'm going to kind of subtitle it Putting on the New is what mature disciples do. Um, Before we read three passages, and I I see Colossians 3 and Romans 7 as um, complementary, maybe even parallel passages to the second half of Ephesians 4, and and they're, they're quite short, so it's worth reading them. But notice the beginning of the passage that we'll read together. It says, Paul says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. And he's issuing instructions on what starts off as personal commitment, personal behaviour, and he goes on to illustrate that if you make that commitment, it will be made evident in your relationships. Um, I'm going to assume that we've covered this concept of Paul's teaching of the, the Church, the Body of Christ, that's the collection of all believers um, both dead and alive um, brought together in this perfect unity and that's fundamental to his teaching but he's delivering that teaching in the context of the church of God in Ephesus and his message to them is this teaching is entirely relevant to you as a church of God in Ephesus because you ought to be a little Um, self-contained illustration of what the church the body is like so when it comes to the diversity of gifts and the exercise of those gifts complementing each other um, and the unity that exists in the church the body that cannot be um, undermined all of those things should be illustrated uh, in the here and now in the Church of God in Ephesus. That's one of the fundamental uh, teachings that we get from Ephesians. And what Paul is encouraging the saints in Ephesus to do is to behave in a way that demonstrates they have that unity and commitment. And part of his message is putting off the old and putting on the new. And we'll hopefully get an understanding of what that means. But he's saying. Uh, I tell you this. that, And I insist on it in the Lord. This is fundamental. To. Uh, the mature. Disciple. The proper spiritual development. Of people in churches of God. And he's, he's saying. There's no compromise here. If you don't do this. Then you're falling short of God's expectation of you. And actually, that's not just a dictate, you're also falling short of the joy in service that you would have had you made these commitments. So let's read Ephesians four, seventeen to thirty-two. I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Because of ignorance, that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts, having lost all sensitivity, they gave themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way, is not the way of life you learned, when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. You must work, do something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not lot, do not let let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then I'd like to read Colossians 3: 5 to 14. and the, the common thing here, remember our theme is putting off the old and putting on the new. Um, and we have this concept of a, an old self and a new self an old nature and a new nature um, that's Paul's teaching in Ephesians 4 as well as in Colossians 3 verse 5 put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed which is idolatry because of these the wrath of God is coming or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, very common language, very Similar um, illustrations, and I'd like to read some verses from Romans 7 because this brings the topic of putting off the old self and putting on the new self really down to earth in Paul's own personal experience. Um, And remember, he's instructing the saints in Ephesus to do this. And it's, a, it's kind of a no-compromise prerequisite for effective uh, discipleship. And in Romans 7, Paul really demonstrates that this is easier said than done. Verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate... Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin in me that does it. So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As I have tried to do in the past, um, I want to draw out three key messages under uh, put on the new, subtitle, What Mature Disciples Do. Um, and I just kind of read these three messages, these three key points. And then we'll try and unpick them one by one. And again, I've tried to carefully choose the words because there's quite a lot in them. So, the first point is in Christ we are a new creation. And that's a a scriptural reference from um, several, at least a couple of uh, locations in, in Paul's epistles, this concept of us being a new creation. We have a new self which is created to be like God in righteousness. And holiness. Sadly, our old self remains and is the source of ongoing sin. Our two lives or our two selves battle for predominance. Which one wins is a measure of our love for the Lord Jesus and is reflected in how we treat each other. So, quite a lot there, but that's uh, number one key message. Number two, we can only wear oneself at a time. Putting off the old and putting on the new is a daily exercise and we have to learn how to do it. It takes commitment and practice. And the third point, the Holy Spirit is a person who feels. He can be delighted and offended. Putting on the new delights the Holy Spirit because only when we have put off the old and put on the new Can he be effective? So, as I say, we'll look at each of those um, three key messages. I think as a principle of doctrine, if there's uh, something we need to take away from Ephesians 4, Colossians 3 and Romans 7, is that there is a conflict going on in the life of a Christian. Um, we are saved from the penalty of sin and that's uh, our eternal salvation um, once we accept uh, the Lord Jesus as our saviour uh, we're saved by grace through faith and we're saved from the penalty of sin and that's unconditional and is a fabulous thing for us to celebrate Um at some point, we will be saved from the power and the presence of sin too, but that's not um, done at the point of salvation. Um, the presence of sin pervades our lives. We know that everywhere we look, it's there, and we're, we're drawn in. And the sin has a sin has a power, and um, this conflict that goes on uh, in our Lives is about Satan wanting to undermine the good that our new self can do and he would have our Christian lives ruined. Um, So what Paul is teaching and in Romans 7 using his own struggle as an illustration is that we have these two natures. In Colossians 1 it's described as sorry, in Colossians it's described as the Old nature and the the new nature. Uh, Ephesians 4, it's the old self and the new self. And um, it's for us to (coughs) manage that internal battle and um, make sure that it's our new self that has the predominance. I've said that which one wins is a measure of our love for the Lord Jesus and is reflected in how we treat each other. (coughs) Remembering the statement we made earlier about Paul's teaching of the doctrine of the church, the body of Christ, and how in the local situation in Ephesus, that wonderful truth should be illustrated by the way the saints are and how they interact with each other, he's saying that the answer to being successful at um, living together in that community um, in a way that is honouring to God and honouring to each other is to make sure that we give our new self um, predominance in our lives or even exclusivity in our lives. Paul goes into some depth to define what the old self looked like And here's a list that we get from the first few verses we've read. Um, He talks about our old self and and the people of the world who don't know the Lord, which is where we used to be. He describes the thinking as futile. I've been quite struck recently with thoughts around the soul. Um, The word of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Um, he leads me by still waters he restores my soul Um, it seems to me that our soul is our kind of innermost person and, and Paul refers to that in his struggle in Romans 7 and I have a sense that the world around us, the The inner soul is kind of de-emphasised and people would rather not think about it. You know, life is all about superficiality and actually if we start thinking about the value of what we do with our lives, and I'm talking about someone who isn't a Christian, we get uncomfortable uh, because actually maybe we don't do very much that's productive. Uh, Maybe our life is 100% about me and entertainment. and it seems to me that futile thinking and emptiness of soul is what I observe in people who don't know the Lord. And I'm not saying that in an arrogant or judgmental way. It's just the society that we live in. He uses this, uh, this uh, expression that um, these people are separate from the life of God. I'm assuming, and I It's one area that I would like to have explored a bit more, this expression, the life of God. I hadn't really noticed it before and I'd love to explore where else it shows up. Maybe that would be a question if at some point we have opportunity for a question time. But I'm assuming that the life of God is the life that God intended me to have. I think that's a, a wonderful reality is that each one of us has a life that God has planned out and my um, ultimate aspiration should be for me to be the very best possible version of myself which is what God intended and it seems that people who don't know him and and maybe this is stating the obvious they're separated from the life of God so they don't have um, an understanding or even an awareness that there is a life that God intended them to leave Lead. Hard hearts, um, and it says that hard hearts leads to ignorance. Um, it's difficult to witness these days because, you know, sometimes we kind of felt well, we're, we're embarrassed. You know, it's it's a brave thing to show your faith. I think it causes embarrassment in other people too because they're uncomfortable with something that they don't really know anything about and however gentle, confident and gentle we might be it seems to me that often the reaction we get is embarrassment I'd really rather you didn't go in this direction because uh, I'm not interested, I'm uncomfortable with it Um, there's a whole load of other things that we can comfortably talk about and when you boil that down it's all superficial stuff Um, it seems to me that that's the evidence um, that Paul is talking about in our old self and in people who don't have a a new nature yet is that the hearts are hard and that has propagated ignorance (laughs) spiritual ignorance in the behaviour lost all sensitivity to sin Paul talks about that. He uses that word. Um, for me this is a very subtle way. That our old self. Can pervade our daily experience and character. Satan is, um, is a master at trivialising sin. Um, and... We can find ourselves in the presence of things which are clearly unholy. And somehow we have uh, developed an immunity to it, an insensitivity to it. And Paul says that that's something that characterises people who don't know the Lord. I put a question at the top of this list. What do we feel about the world around us? And again we're challenging ourselves here about to what extent have we put off the old and put on the new. And I'm saying that that's a a symptom or a a characteristic of a mature disciple is someone who has put on the new. And we'll see how we do that in a second. Um, If that is the case then we should be very sensitive to the sin around us. So if my answer to the question, what do I feel about sensitivity to sin, and I find I generally overlook it because I've come immune to it, then that for me is a is a real challenge about my spiritual maturity and my commitment to this process, which we'll explore in a second. Given to hedonism, that's a, a very strong expression. My understanding is hedonism is you just... It's all about self-gratification. You do what you like. If it pleases yourself, then just do it. If it's wrong, it doesn't really matter. Uh, You kind of, in a perverse way, just indulge yourself in the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, And I do recognise that in the world I live in, I know that it's not for us to, I really have learned, it's not for us to make judgments on other people's lifestyle. Um, They don't um, share the same rules as we do. It's for us to love them and to witness to them and leave the convicting to the Holy Spirit. But I did feel quite sick that here was someone who was celebrating, letting go of all moral judgment and um, just engaging in this self-indulgence. And Paul says um, that it goes from bad to worse. I I was reminded of the verse in Genesis when God decides that he's going to destroy all mankind um, with a flood. And it says, words to the effect, that God saw man how that every inclination of his heart was only evil all the time and that's the kind of world that I think we live in. It's the, the consequence of individuals who only have an old self uh, because they're not yet a new creation. So Paul goes into detail at defining what we used to be and the challenge to me is how sensitive am I to those things because if I'm oblivious to them maybe that's a measure of me clinging on to the old and not putting on the new. But we should go to our uh, second point. Um, we can only wear one self at a time. Putting off, putting off the old and putting on the new is a daily exercise we have to learn how to do. Um, and. These two passages of scripture, I'm sure they came to your mind too. When I was kind of sitting asking myself the question, well, what, what actually does it mean? Um, I think I, I first went to my baptism vows um, where you make a public statement that I'm burying my old self and being raised to walk in a new life that's committed to the Lord and that clearly is a is a, a milestone. It's a, a point in our Christian experience which we can go back to and say that's the point in my life when I made that commitment. Um, but clearly, that's a it's a public statement. But there's no there's no kind of um, purifying thing that happens when we're baptized. It's a declaration of our commitment. And um, the the new life that we walk in is a daily battle, as Paul described. So my mind went to uh, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And you have the... Um, first of all the reference to faith and I'd like to think that as my Christian life gets longer, gets older um, my faith becomes more established I think I can say that that is my experience we go through difficulties and it's how we react to those difficulties that makes us strong, that's why we have I believe that's why God allows us to go through difficulties so the the statement in Hebrews 12 is made in the context of that gallery of faith in Hebrews 11, examples of faith <clears throat> and he's saying with that in mind and with our own experience let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles that's the putting off that we've been talking about from uh, Ephesians 4 and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus for me that's the the fundamental process we need to do every day in this business of putting off the old and putting on the new it's having a daily visual in our spiritual mind's eye fix on the person of the Lord Jesus every day Um, it's great to be at the remembrance because it happens I guess if you're at the remembrance it's in your face every week Uh, and of course although that is primarily a Godward exercise the benefit to me in my life is I get to reflect and fix my spiritual eyes on the person of the Lord Jesus as the Holy Spirit leads us out in our offerings Um, so I would say that part of this process and it really is very obvious. It's about um, engagement through God's word, through prayer, in a relationship with the Person of the Lord Jesus. That is at the heart of putting off the old and putting on the new. <clears throat> in a similar vein, um, Romans twelve one and two, uh, easy to remember. Hebrews twelve one and two, Romans twelve one and two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's been said many times that um, Romans 12 is not a one off experience. But needs to be a daily experience as we battle with salvation over the power and the presence of sin in our lives. Um, I found a helpful illustration about what it means to offer your bodies as living sacrifices if we link um, Romans 12 to Romans 6. And Romans 6 is the, the baptism verse. Um, being buried therefore with him through baptism into death and being resurrected. And then it goes on to explain how we are to present the members of our body as instruments of righteousness. And thinking about this daily putting off and, and daily putting on. And it's about presenting our bodies, presenting the members of our bodies as instruments of righteousness. I was drawn to that verse in, uh, in Job Where he says, I made a covenant with my eyes. And our eyes are probably one of the, our eyes and our ears are probably one of the most vulnerable um, members that we have of our bodies that can be a window to evil or can be a window to good. And it's as though Job had made this commitment with his eyes. It's kind of a strange thing, isn't it? But he resolved, I'm not going to look because I know the implications if I look it leads to sin and that's for me um, an illustration of what putting off and putting on and um, giving our bodies every day as a living sacrifice is we make a covenant with our eyes, with our ears with our hands, with our feet uh, with our mouth that I am going to engage today in um, the things that are expected of me as a Christian, not in the things that are expected of me, or that the world expects of me. Verse two in in Romans twelve says, um, "Do not conform." Our obligation in, in the world we live in is to be non-conformist, and um, that's tough because nobody wants to stand out somehow. But I, I leave those challenges uh, with us all. Um, can we wear our old self on our new self they're, they're incompatible and it's, uh, it's perhaps a, a brave statement for me to say you're either one or the other I'm either one or the other but I think that's the way it's got to be um, and you know, my, the challenge to me is at the start of every day to make a covenant with myself that says this is being put off and this is being put on and then allow um, what happens through the course of the day. Allow my reaction to be to it to be a holy, uh, to have a holy perspective. We need to move on to our um, third and final point. There's a lovely expression in uh, Ephesians four that relates all of this to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the point is the Holy Spirit is a person who feels. He can be delighted and offended. Putting on the new delights the Holy Spirit because only when we have put off the old and put on the new can he be effective. We're looking at those last three verses. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit Of God, that means do not make sad the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, just as in Christ, God forgave you. What mature disciples do. Is behave like this to each other and that behaviour is empowered and enabled by the Holy Spirit it's not natural our natural instinct is to fight and squabble and be offended and bear grudges and this is a, a spiral that, that leads to um, spiritual illness can even lead to mental and physical illness if we don't resolve these things and bear in mind Paul is using the illustration of the perfection of the church of the body of Christ and all these members that are connected to each other and complement each other and there's this harmonious unity that um, is inevitably there and he's saying that our behavior should reflect that in our church and it's um it's a real challenge to us you know this requires some Self-examination um, as to, to what extent is my behaviour characterised by these things. We, I often forget that the Holy Spirit is on board and that he's a sensitive person um, and those, that list of things which are the old self, uh, when they are given predominance, it, it must make him cringe. And certainly he can't be effective in a what would be a dirty vessel. Finally, Romans 8, another great passage of Scripture around the role of the Holy Spirit. You, however, not are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even through your body... Even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. <coughs> I mean, it, it just says it. I don't really want to comment on that verse. It, it, those verses. It just um, emphasizes the point that Paul's making in Ephesians, the, the Holy Spirit is, is on board and he can only be effective if we give him the freedom that um, he requires in our lives and that's by putting off the old and putting on the new I wanted just to leave with you the closing verse of um, Romans 7 that we read what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord we need to have a victorious perspective on this battle, ultimately we will win Um, if you like, you heard the expression we we may have won the battle but we lost the war, it's the other way around we've won the war because uh, our lives and our eternal security is there but there are battles that go on every day and to be the best version of ourselves, to be the the life of God as, as we read that he intended then we need to have victory every day in this battle of putting off the old and putting on the new. Shall we pray?